0: No pressure, right? Uh, My name's Shannon. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I celebrate recovery from uh, depression, suicidal thoughts, and cutting. Tonight, we're going to talk about powerless. But before we dive in, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, you know exactly where every single one of us are. You know what we're struggling with. You know where we find joy. You know where we find peace. And you know the areas of our life that are empty. God, I just ask that you use this message tonight to speak to every single one of us, me included. Give us the message that each one of us needs to hear directly from you. God, help us to apply it to our lives, change our lives so that we can walk closer with you and be a walking billboard of your mercy, grace, and forgiveness so that we can point one more towards your hope, the hope that's found in your son, Jesus Christ. We ask all things the precious and holy name of your son. Amen. So tonight we're going to go through the nuts and bolts of the teaching called powerless. So let's think about this. When we accepted the first recovery principle and took our very first step, We had to come out of denial. We had to walk into reality. And let's be honest, reality bites big time. We see that there are very few things that we actually have control over. Once we admit this to ourselves, to God, and to someone we trust, we realize we are powerless and we can no longer live in lives that do nothing but steal our serenity we surround ourselves with serenity robbers. And we're gonna walk through what those are when we look at acrostic that equals powerless. So the first one's pride. Ignorance plus power plus pride is a deadly match. They will mix up the most deadliest cocktail, no matter what your pain is. They say, I can numb that. Really all they're doing is widening that wound Proverbs 29, 23 says, pride ends in a fall. How many of us have failed? I mean, failed and got the bruises. But if we go on into that proverb, it says, while humility brings honor. It's not about us. But it takes us a while to say that. The next one is, oh, only if. Let's be honest, the woulda, coulda, shouldas will eat us alive. We can sit here and look backwards and go, if I woulda done this, if I coulda done this, if I shoulda done this but that's just a vicious cycle. Our only ifs in life keep us trapped in a fantasy land that we can't rationally live in. Luke 12, 2 through three says, whatever is covered up will be uncovered and every secret will be made known. So then whatever you said in the dark will be heard in the light. That is something I try to remind my son of often, no matter what you do in the dark, God will bring it into the light. And he usually does it when we are not ready for it. The next one is W. It's worry. Worry is a form of not trusting God enough. You know, it's funny. We can sit here and say, I believe that Christ went to the cross. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he died to pay my sin debt. If I don't trust him with my finances, he can't, he can't take care of that. I don't trust him with the person I'm angry with because he doesn't know how bad they made me angry. I don't trust him with healing my heart (laughs) because someone hurt me. He doesn't know how bad that hurt was. Sometimes we forget he was nailed to the cross for our sins. Matthew 6, 34 says, So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. Our serenity prayer. One day at a time, one moment at a time, sometimes one second at a time, sometimes half a thought at a time, but we get there, one at a time. Just keep doing the next right thing. E, escape. By living in denial, we may have escaped into a world of fantasy and unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others. I don't know about you, but there were people that did not live up to my expectations and they should have been able to read my brain to know exactly what I was expecting of them. I do not know why they can't understand what I need them to do. Ephesians 5, 13 through 14 says, for light is capable of showing up everything for what it really is. Ouch. It's even possible for light to turn the thing It's shining upon into light also. That's what happens when God makes us a new creation. He shines light on us, and he brings us into the light. And then as we walk closer with him, we begin to reflect his light out into a hurting world. R is resentment. Resentments are like the emotional cancer. If they're not allowed to fester and grow, we're good, but if we don't keep them in check, it's like me drinking poison and trying to wait for somebody else to get sick. Ephesians 4:26, 27 says, In you, anger, do not sin. I'm sorry, that's a typo. In your anger, do not sin. See, I'm going to have to repent. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So many times we forget that there's a wolf outside our door. And he's only there to do the devil's work. And if we don't shut that door, he's going to sneak in. And the enemy comes as something that we will allow into our lives. That's the only way he can walk in. We're like, yeah, come on in, it's fine. I mean, let's be honest, we've all got those friends that we need to check them at the door and then close the door and not let them in. But we're like, oh, I remember he used to hang out. And we forget about all the old times. We forget about all the trouble they got us into. Now, we made decisions to get into that trouble, too. But we ain't got to let them come in and bring that trouble again. We have that choice. L is for loneliness. Loneliness is a choice. And I've had people argue this with me. In recovery and in Christ, you never have to walk alone. Hebrews 13, 1 through 2. Continue to love each other with true brotherly love. Don't forget to be kind to strangers, for some who have done this will have entertained angels without realizing it. Can't tell you how many times I've said, you know, in in recovery, we have 12 steps. There's no 13th stepping. And people look confused. I'm like, 13th stepping is when you use your recovery meeting as a dating service, there's no thirteenth stepping. E is for emptiness. You know that empty feeling deep down inside is like a cold wind of hopelessness that blows right through us. John ten: ten says, Jesus said, "My purpose is to give life in all of its fullness." S is selfishness. We often pray, our father which art in heaven gimme give gimme give gimme give gimme 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 gimme. i mean i know i'm not the one that does that and i have this this vision of god's ear this huge giant ear and as we pray we're sitting right here right above where a lady would get her ears pierced some men i understand but i'm a female so i'm going from my perspective but we're sitting right here and we're leaned in and we're propped and we're like god i need to tell you something me, 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 <laughs> and God says, "Well," and you're like, mm, "Hold on, I'm not finished." Me, 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 me. How many times we do that? I've done it. I'm guilty. I have to catch myself. Luke 17 says, "Whoever clings to his life shall lose it, and whoever loses his life shall save it." That's a two-way street. Prayer is a two-way street. It's a two-way conversation. Sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to just look at us and go, okay, I need you to shut up right now and just listen to me, because I need that. The Holy Spirit's very sarcastic to me sometimes. I had been a kingdom brat, and the Holy Spirit will say, okay, when you're done pitching your tantrum, we're still going to do it my way. But I see you, I acknowledge you, now get up, wash your face, let's go. The next S is for separation. Some people talk about finding God as if he was ever lost. I can't tell you how many times in the jail ministry they'd say, well, I don't want your jail, Jesus. Okay, well, my Jesus is also in the grocery store. He's also in car wash. He's also... um, So that's fine. You ain't got to have the jail, Jesus. What about that grocery store, Jesus? Because you like those little Debbie cakes. They don't want to talk about that. Romans 8, 38 39 says... For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death cannot and life cannot. The angels won't and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away from us. Remember, he went to the cross. Nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love that God demonstrated through Christ when he died for us. So if you're looking at this list, and you're checking the boxes off and you're ready to say yep need that gone yep need that gone yep all together i'm powerless all of it well congratulations in your admission of powerless powerlessness you have now begun the journey with the second step we came out of denial we came out of our pit and now we realize we have control over absolutely nothing we are absolutely powerless and we lean on jesus christ is healing his love and his forgiveness so now at this stage there's a couple things we need to do this is, this is some housekeeping things so the first thing we need to do is we need to stop denying the pain it's real but we gotta stop with the pity party when someone comes to us and they're to talk listen justify I hear you I understand you have pain but we don't have to join in in their pity party If we stop denying the pain, that means you are ready to take the next step in your recovery walk. You do this when your pain is greater than your fear of change. Psalms six, two and three says, pity me, O Lord, for I am weak. Heal me for my body is sick and I am upset and disturbed. My mind is filled with apprehension and gloom. recovery, we say if you're sick and tired, of being sick and tired, it's time to change. But let's be honest, how many times do we live in gloom and doom and we're quite comfortable with it because we don't like change? So the next thing we need to stop doing is we need to stop playing God. We don't have to have all the answers. And it's okay to not be okay as long as you're a visitor there and don't take up residency. You're unable to do for yourself what you need God to do, then you will lean on God. You either go to God or you go to yourself, but you can't serve both. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can be a slave to two masters. He will hate one and love the other. He will be loyal to one and despise the other. When I think about this, um, I think about the newcomers video baggage, where they're all carrying around their bags, and especially the one where she's looking in the mirror, and she has two mirrors open, and she looks at one mirror, and she says, I love it. What about you? And she turns to the other mirror, and she says, I love it, too, because she's her own little world, and when we are our own little world, we don't make room for God. So in addition to these things we need to stop doing, there's two things we need to start doing The first thing, we need to start admitting that we are powerless. I've had a conversation with several of y'all this last week of some things that I was just powerless over. And I had to take measures. But night before last, I'll tell you, I was up to 3 o'clock in the morning with gospel music praying, crying my eyes out, just praying. I think I finally went to sleep about 3 o'clock in the morning saying, God, you've got to do this you got to go before me. you got to put your hand on this. I'll walk behind you. I will walk through the flames, but you're going to have to go before me. I can't do this. You see, as we work this first principle, we see that by ourselves, we really can't do anything. We have no power to change our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Matthew 19, Jesus said, with man, all is impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. And the next thing we need to do is we need to start admitting that our lives are unmanageable. Man, that's scary. We have to look like we have it all together. You can finally start admitting that some or all of your areas of your life are unmanageable because Psalms 40 says, Problems far too big for me to solve are piled higher than my head. Meanwhile, my sins, too many to count, They've all caught up with me, and I'm now ashamed to look up. That's what the enemy does. He throws guilt and shame at us, and that's our prison because we feel guilty and we feel shameful. And we're not going to talk about it. So can we have just a little bit of church real quick? Taking what we've heard, let's have just a little bit of church. And let's look at Samson. <laughs> so we focused on being powerless in our addictions and compulsive behaviors, We admit that we're powerless against our sin and that our lives are unmanageable without God intervening. Samson's story is not much different than ours. He's a guy who was called from birth to be dedicated to God's service at the highest level. You may be wondering, how's God going to use me? Well, I firmly believe we're all called to preach, we just don't know where God's going to put our pulpit. You may wonder how this is going to be. And, and I mean, I, I'm not saying all God's people will serve in the exact same way. We know that's, that's not true because he gives us all different gifts. But what I am saying is all God's people have a special calling on their life. But now let's look at Samson. He had a very unique way of presenting himself. And he was very boastful about God and what God had honored him with to all of the Philistines. Now, I know I'm oversimplifying this at this point, but Samson wasn't ordinary. We know that, we've read the story. But his ministry was special because he vowed to treat it as it was special. Unfortunately, like so many of us, Samson was, uh, he had a bit of self-control issues. He was power hungry in a lot of ways. And this caused him to flirt with all the unholy. How many times have we caught ourselves right in the middle of all the unholy and went, how did I get here? Or we said, I would never do that. Samson satisfied all of his unholy desires. This caused problems because he was flirting with pride. He asserted himself in a position of control And let's be honest, God was only going to let him do these shenanigans for so long. But God gave him specific instructions concerning his mission, his ministry, his unique calling. And yet he continued to tempt God constantly with the way he lived his life. What began as a foolish game with a foolish woman, with foolish desires, turned into exhausting all of his powers. When he had played around with his calling and was pretty much done, the Lord exposed him. And God's done that in many of our lives. God exposes us, brings it into the light. But the man who was formerly so powerful than any other man, even groups of men, he fell prey to the evil passions of his flesh desire and he became a slave to them. So we must learn from Samson's story. We must learn to respect God and his calling on our lives. We must learn to not mess around with the mission that God has put in front of us. And sometimes, let me tell you, that mission might be just speaking positive into somebody's life. Because you might be the only Jesus they see. But God invests so much time in each of us, just like he did with Samson, to love us, equip us, and commission us. Samson's story is not only about what not to do. Towards the end of the book, as we read, we can see that we must all do what Samson did. That's to resist that power-hungry mentality. Go against sin and answer the calling that God has put on our lives. And when we need God the most, cry out, and tell him we are powerless. We cannot do this. And we put it in his hands. You see, Samson became a blind slave to his sin. He was a mockery and he did everything he could to go against God because he thought he had arrived. He confessed his sins, turned his heart from them and simply asked for God to strengthen him one more time. And God restored him God did strengthen him. And before Samson died, God restored his favor, gave him strength in the Holy Spirit, and his mission in his service. And one day, Samson was more effective in the power of God than he had been his whole life. So in our recovery, in our principles, in our steps, when God reveals our weakness, it's not to break us down is so that we will lean on him. We will run to him because his arms are open, his arms of loving, mercy, grace in all of our weakness. It's then and only then that we become strong. So no matter what the enemy's throwing at you, be encouraged. God is ready, he's willing, and he's available to turn all the tides of the crashing waves that the enemy is trying to throw at us Just surrender to him and watch him work his miracles. This is the principle one prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, your word tells me that I can't heal my own hurts, habits, and hangups just by saying that I do not wanna be here anymore. God help me be a part of my life, be all of my life for my life is out of control. I need you to bring it back under your will and help me learn to be obedient to you. I now know that I cannot fix myself and it seems harder and harder every time I try to do the next right thing because I struggle. The enemy puts stumbling blocks in front of me. But Lord, as I step out of my denial and confess my powerlessness God, I'm just speaking truth, and I pray that you show up in a mighty way in each of our lives as we go into the altar call for tonight. God, speak to us what you need us to hear, and we ask all things in the precious and holy name of your Son. Amen.